seriously popular. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone, Ian and Chris here. Welcome to It's All Kicking Off. This is your weekend preview show. Uh, Chris is with me. Morning, mate. Hope all is well. Morning. Um, we're going to get straight into the big game of the weekend. No doubt about it. Manchester United go to Liverpool on Sunday afternoon. Uh, down on confidence. Down on luck. Uh, down on players. They lost 7-0 at Anfield last year, Chris. We're not going to see something like that again, are we? Well, I thought you were going to talk about the big game of the weekend being uh, being the old farm derby, uh, Ian. But uh, you know, I, I, I take your point. This one, you know, this one there's a there's a fair bit of rivalry. For those of you who are sensible enough not to listen to us every single week, the old farm derby is Norwich versus Ipswich. And no, that's not on our list. Oh, come on! Why do you have to point that? That's out to not people? on our list. Ian, that's on. not on our list for this week. Although there is a there is one championship fixture on our list of, uh, today, but we'll get to that later. But back to back to Anfield, uh, Chris. Uh, like I said, like I like I asked you, could there be another Manchester United humbling on the cards? It's really it's really hard to make a case for Manchester United at this moment in time to to win any game, uh, and that's mainly based on the performance levels. Uh, disappointing. We were both there at Old Trafford. Um, for the game against Bayern Munich, where they never really laid a glove on Bayern Munich, um, in a game that uh, you know they they had to get uh, a result for, had to win to stay in European competition, they didn't do that, um, and ended up finishing bottom of the group. Thoroughly disappointing. Were we surprised by that after they got walloped by Bournemouth at the weekend? No, we weren't. And now they're going to Liverpool, and you look at uh, Liverpool's array of attacking talent. Uh, injuries to Maguire and injuries to Shaw. I can't. I, I. I. I can't see anything other than a comprehensive Liverpool victory. I think Liverpool once again will wipe the floor with them. At this moment in time, United are lacking an identity. There are so many issues we don't have time to get into, but we, you know we've covered them before. But even Manchester United fans must be dreading this game. If if you try to find something to cling to for Manchester United, something. I mean, Bruno Fernandes can't play. He's suspended. Despite what we think and have said about Bruno in terms of a captain, he is their best attacking player, without a doubt. He's a very good player. He's not playing. Um, Rashford, Martial missed Wednesday's game. Um, where's the hope, Chris? Where's the where's the 
you say that United fans won't be looking forward to going there. Where's the, what it, where's the one thing or what is the one thing that they can cling to? In Liverpool injuries, Joe Matip's out. Liverpool do often concede the first goal in a game. It does happen. Yeah, well, if Liverpool if Liverpool uh, have a bit of a vulnerability, I think it is uh, defensively. Manchester United can only win playing counter-attack. I just, I don't want to keep going back to Manchester United, but we watched Hoyland the other night. I, I, I felt really sorry for him. Ian, I feel really sorry for him. He looks a player sort of a little bit low on confidence now, but I I don't think that he has an understanding of how he can score a goal at, at, at Manchester United because the wide players want the ball for themselves. Anthony the other night, uh, you know, they they they, they never get the heads up, pass, follow, link up. There aren't combinations. And and that's a that's a massive issue. And then you you know you look at what what Liverpool have in their uh, attacking armory, and they are, they are slick. There's a great understanding. They are dangerous. Um, look, Manchester United's hope is that is that they can hang on in the game, defensive rearguard action, and 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 maybe counter a piece of individual brilliance. Whether whether it is Hoyland a centre forward and a ball over the top, um, whether it's Garnacho. Um, I, I, I don't. I, I just, I just don't see it. You look in the midfield. Uh, Amrabat the other night. Amrabat's athletic, but he's not. Uh, he's not a great technician. He's not a a, a holding midfielder who, who will get on the half turn and start off incisive passing uh, moves and patterns of play. He's not that type of player. McTominay's not. You know, particularly slick on the ball, albeit he nicks a goal. You just—they are—they are cobbled together. They are muddled together. They don't really have an identity. So, you know, if you're asking, you know, you've asked me how Manchester United can win this game. They can only win this game by being slightly fortunate and hoping Liverpool have an off day. They cannot win this game, as far as I'm concerned, based on performance. Uh, you, you mentioned there that Liverpool, if Liverpool have an off day, um, it's worth mentioning that Liverpool haven't been in. Uh, their top form last couple of games they they won away at Crystal Palace 2-1 which was a good result but was helped by a rather contentious sending off and the game and the game before that they went to Bramall Lane and narrowly beat Sheffield United 2-0 with a, a late goal that put a bit of gloss on that one um, so, so Liverpool aren't exactly firing on all cylinders and that Matip injury uh, uh, knee injury could well be out for the season he's had an operation that's a big blow for Liverpool. I mean, if you look at the United game, but beyond the Man United game, I've talked to you before, or we've both talked before about how Virgil van Dijk is not quite the player that he used to be. Um, and Matip is probably his preferred partner. He won't be there. So that means that it'll be either Konate, uh, who I think has vulnerability about him, or Joe Gomez, who has perhaps inconsistency about him. So going forward, is there any, is that, a worry for Liverpool, but into United game, but also beyond. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's a very good point. Um, I think the, the point you make about Liverpool having a vulnerability about them defensively anyway this season stands. So with Matic being out, um, you know, that's that's another blow. Whether whether Jurgen Klopp goes into the market in January, I, you know, that 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 remains to be seen. Um, at this moment in time, though, it's about the game in front of you, and I still think that whoever Jurgen Klopp plays there, they will, you know, be, able, be adequately be able to to deal with, uh, with with Manchester United. There's a lot of chat in um, 
uh, across the news uh, today about Eric Ten Hag and his future. Graham Potter's name is now being mentioned as a possible replacement. Um, what I would say is that I can't see anything happening until um, until this mini takeover, if that's what we want to uh, call it, happens. Because uh, Jim Ratcliffe, um, who, who's in the OS group, are due to take over the football operations at Old Trafford. I think that's an excellent point. One thing I would say about Eric Ten Hag, I, I, I do think that he needs to help himself. And coming out after the Bayern Munich game and saying his team played well, I, I don't know what game he was watching. I, I don't think that that was a sensible thing to say after you know you ended up finishing bottom of the Champions League group slaughtered at the weekend by Bournemouth but then you have to be credible as a manager and coming out and suggesting that was a good enough performance as Manchester United in European competition I thought that you know that was a a big mistake for him to actually say that he has to he has to stay credible hold that thought we'll be back right after this there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So, um, the other Manchester team, Manchester City, have had, um, uh, well... <laughs> I suppose, relatively speaking, they haven't had any problems at all when you compare them to Manchester United. But by their own high standards, they've had a few ups and downs, but they got a great win at Luton at the weekend. I, I was at that one. Now, they faced Crystal Palace at home on Saturday. Um, the reason I've, I've picked this game out to have a look at is that it's the last game that City play before they head off to Saudi Arabia for that annual um, uh, pointless FIFA Jamboree stroke exhibition game that goes by the name of the Club World Cup. If there's a bigger waste of time in in club football than this nonsense, then I'd, I'd like to know what it is. Um, City are off there, no doubt beat the beat the team from Australia to lift the trophy or something. Um, but they're off there, and the point and, and the point I make the point I make. You look like you want to murder someone. I just don't like the competition. If you if you if you got that impression or not, do you want me to be? Yeah. Do you want me to be no, a bit more categori- that, yeah, yeah. categorical about it? I can say it all again if you want. Yeah. <laughs> and my broad point here is that they'll miss a game, obviously a Premier League game, while they're there. And when they come back, 
they go straight into an away game at Everton, um, which I believe uh, is on the 27th of December. Everton are flying. That's not going to be an easy game to come back to when you've got jet lag in the system, etc., etc. Um so they've got to beat Palace. That's my point. This little gap that's opening up between City and, and it is a little gap, between City and the teams above them doesn't need to be any bigger than it needs to be, does it? Are we going to write Manchester City off? No. Uh, no, uh, you know, of, of course we're not. Um, do I buy into all the jet lag stuff? Come on. I mean, you know, they fly fly first class. They're well looked after. I but don't. But I, it won't be. It won't, not, be, it won't be an easy I'm game not. at Everton. Will it? That's my point. Everton away over no, Christmas no, will t- not totally, be easy. Totally, but you know, it never was going to be an easy game had they, you know, travelled over from Manchester and and had two weeks off or you know two weeks rest and uh, and recuperation. Uh, with regards to the World Club Cup, uh, I'm, I'm not as angry about it as you. I, I, I've not seen Pep's comments on this, but he was moaning earlier on this season about the number of games and players being fatigued. So, are you team? Are you team me up again on this one? Because I will. You, you know, if you pull the pin out, I will go again on this. No, no, no. I'm not. I, I'm not. I, I, I am not. I just. Uh, I, I'm not aware whether Pep has commented on this competition as it being uh, another game that, that that Manchester City don't need. He definitely commented earlier on in the season um, about players playing too much and moaning and saying it's a, it's a huge issue. So I don't know where he is on this. From a player's perspective, um, do you grow up uh, thinking when you're playing in the playground at school, I want to win the World Club Cup? Of course you don't because you haven't really heard of it. Having said that, I do think that, you know, at the end of your career, when you're sort of in your late 70s and you've got your World Club Cup medal on the mantelpiece and your, your little grandkid comes up to you and what's, what's that, granddad? That's a World Club Cup. That's a World Club Cup medal. That's what that is. That was when we beat the best team in South Korea in a game in in a game in Saudi Arabia that nobody watched while everybody else was playing in Premier League. Yeah, and now and now and now look where South Korea and the Saudi Arabian leagues are. They are the best Lord. leagues in the world. So, so am I? Am I just some kind of old them. stick in the mud here? Should I be? Should I be kind of opening my broadening my horizons? Should it's I be Christmas. broadening my horizons a little bit and embracing these things? I'm I'm more with you, but it's Christmas. I tell you what, I think we know what Pep will be thinking about this game. I know he's not said it, but I think we know damn well what he'll be thinking. Quickly, Crystal Palace stuck in a um, ever decreasing circle, really, aren't they? They kind of um, they have, they are the most consistent team in the Premier League, and that they always finish somewhere between eleventh and fourteenth every single season, um, usually with about forty-four points. Roy Hodgson did a fine job for them, and they sacked him because or they or they let him go because they wanted to change the philosophy, change the playing style, change the future. So they hired Patrick Vieira, and then when he had a bump in the road, they binned him and got got Roy back. And lo and behold, look at them now. I think they're 15th now. Same position, same old problems. Um, crowd are restless. Um, word of Crystal Palace. Word of- same Premier League survival. Yeah, but it, I mean, that is enough for a lot of clubs. Feels like it's not enough for Palace, because um, they're kind of quite a progressive club in lots of ways. Um, like Steve Paris, the chairman, Dougie Friedman, the technical director, they've got good people there. But they, but 
other clubs have raced past them, haven't they? Brentford, Brighton, other clubs have, 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 have sped past them a little bit. And Palace always looked to me as if they're a little bit stuck. But stuck in a stuck in a in a good way. Stuck in the Premier League, I yeah, I guess so. Pal- pa- yeah. Pa- Palace, yeah, no, no, exactly. That's how you want to look at that. I th- thought it was quite interesting. Was it Roy Hodgson sort of saying that the supporters were entitled? Was it? In, in, he said they'd been spoiled. Spoiled, yeah. Sorry. Um, and then he apologized. And then he apologized. Yeah, um, may have had a point of Roy, but you know, probably not the wisest thing to say. Getting near Christmas, he's you know he's he's, he's decidedly grumpy as Roy, but you know he's he's right. What you know what 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 do the, what do what do the Palace supporters expect if they want to go down the the route of fantasy football again, the old uh, Frank De Boer route? Then they can try it again, but we know what happened. He didn't get long enough, in fairness, Frank. But they what what do the, what what do they what do they? Well, I think some. Some Palace fans would argue that the ball had too long. Never mind, uh, long, not long enough. Um, you say, about, but 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 you talk about you talk about what um, uh, what do Palace fans want? Well, I think they want a team that moves forward. Going back to what we talked about on Monday, clubs have got to move forward. You've got to see progress. Sometimes hard to see it um, at Crystal Palace. You mentioned um, you mentioned Roy being grumpy. I bet he was grumpy when he had you in his dressing room at Blackburn. No, not not really. No, we were successful. We were top of the league. Uh, Roy's first season, golden boot winner that season. I don't like to talk about myself. <laughs> well, I've given you the opportunity there. Um, right, so one more game to go, and it's another important one, Newcastle versus Fulham. Um, Newcastle have just crashed out of um, Europe, although um, heroically, according to the pages of the Daily Mail this morning, heroic. We're going to be joined by Craig Hope now, our northeast correspondent. So we'll talk about Newcastle. I'll save my pot shots for Craig. Craig, you were at St James's Park uh, last night. Um, her- heroic failure—is that appropriate or not? I'm not sure. <laughs> There's two schools of thoughts here, uh, Ian. Now we were in the press box afterwards, and we were fiercely debating amongst ourselves whether that performance was worthy of criticism. Had Newcastle played well? Had they been brave? Had they been heroic, as our back page suggested, or was the was the reason to have a a go at them and pick apart the nature of the defeat. I think both things can be true. I thought for an hour, St. James's was at its very best. It was everything Eddie Howard called for them to be, to create a magical night. I thought those in the stands responded. I thought those on the pitch responded. They had themselves in a winning position. They were top of the group. They were winning 1-0. They were in control. They'd been the better side. The news from Dortmund was good. It was everything they needed with 31 minutes to go. Now, the first part of that is true. Yes, they were brave. They were brilliant. The last half hour, you know, that couldn't be any, any further from the truth. I thought they were naive. Now, if they concede the first goal when they're chasing the game and they need a result, they need a goal, okay, you can allow, you can allow for that. There's mitigation there. But the nature of, of, of the way they conceded, so ragged, to have two full-backs in the right-back position, Tino Livramento and Kieran Trippier. That is just so uncharacteristic of a Newcastle side, especially when they're in a position where everything is going for them. So to that end, I thought that, you know, I, I used that word naive. I thought they were naive. I thought the last half hour, I'd go as far as to say it was poor. Now, on the back of that, it, it goes to 1-1. And again, you know, I'll take it inside the press box as a fierce debate. What did Newcastle do at 1-1? Do they protect that and do they stay in the Europa League? Or do they go for, for 2-1 to get back in the Champions League? I've got no problem with them with them pushing forward and going for the going for the extra goal. I haven't. Now, I mean, I think some of the guys in the press box were talking with their passport. They wanted the Europa League in the uh, in the new year. But I thought that was okay. Even allowing for that, though, 
again, I come back to it. The way in which they conceded the second goal, naive. There's no cynicism there. Twice on halfway, Bruno Gamores and Alexander Isak had the chance to take out the Milan player was breaking through. What would the Italians have done? The Italians would have taken them out at the expense of a booking. So that last half hour, I think, just showed you why Newcastle have perhaps finished bottom of this group. The first hour showed you why they could have finished top. So, Craig, are you talking, when you say naive, are you talking about more uh, more individual errors rather than the way that Eddie Howe plays and Newcastle play in terms of front foot football? That's That's been his process hasn't it you know they're an aggressive team they're in a they're an attacking team so you're not you're not criticizing that approach you're, you're criticizing errors within the the team framework yeah yeah it was one or two individual errors from players who are who, who should be better than that you've got Bruno Gamores is the centre midfielder who gets a lot of praise, a lot of love, £100 million release clauses, Barcelona, Real Madrid, everything else. But when it comes to it, when Newcastle have the lead, and this has been a bit of a weakness this season, they don't show the control they perhaps should do. For me, I think they're missing a six, someone to sit in front of the back four there and to, and to see games out. Bruno Gamores isn't, isn't really that player. It wasn't just him last night. And you know, to, to go back to the point you made there, Chris, yes, there, there, there were individual errors leading to those goals, but it was also a collective, you know, they, at 1-0, and do you put this on Eddie or do you put this on the players, senior players on the pitch, Kieran Trippier, Bruno Gamares? Why didn't they why didn't they sit back and protect it? The question I would ask is what would but, but Eddie, Eddie Howe might say Eddie Howe might say we can we we can sit back, we can sit deep, we can try and protect, but Milan may score anyway. So he'd, he'd rather play this way. This is his footballing philosophy. That's I'm not arguing with what you're saying. That's what Eddie Howe would would say, I suspect, with that though, and he's not going to change. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, at that point, approaching the hour mark, if any team is going to get the second goal in the game, it looks like it's going to be Newcastle, at which point you know, the game goes beyond them and everyone says, wonderful, you know, they've gone for Milan when Milan looked weak. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a criticism of, of Eddie. I just think, as a collective, there had to be... I, I go back to the manner in which they conceded the goal. On a transition, on a break, so ragged, players out of position, Kieran Trippier, Tino Livermento had both been excellent at that point, and Eddie himself said afterwards, when he came down to speak to us, he said the key moment of the game was the nature of the first goal conceded. He said, quote, it was so uncharacteristic. And it's Champions League football, it's elite level, it's against a team like Milan, who, while we may, you know... (laughs) question the merits of Serie A. I've done that myself once or twice. I think over the two games, Milan have perhaps been the better team than, than, than Newcastle have. It's, I, wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't use the word heroic, but there's also no shame in finishing bottom of that group. It's been a big, it's been a big ask for them. I personally think that they're better off without Europa League. Um, I know it, it might have made them a few quid if they got further down the line in it. I think for Newcastle now, they're better off not. They're better off not having the possibility of winning the Europa League. I think. League. The, I think what matters for Newcastle now, and I'm let's give up. Craig's here to answer this really, but my view is that what matters for Newcastle now is to have a good, uh, a good league season. They don't want to finish. They don't want to get. You know, they've already got loads of injuries. They don't want to get wound up and bound up in in. Plowing through. Newcastle could win the Europa League, Ian. They, 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 they are a team well capable of winning the Europa League. You can't start thinking like that. That's that's really that that's that's why you're not a, a sports. But person. they could equally go deep in that competition and take on all the kind of extra kind of travel and and accumulate the tiredness and the injuries that come with it. 
and not win it and end up ninth in the Premier League. And that's no good for Newcastle. That's no good for Newcastle. What a negative little man you are. What if that? What if they go and win it? What? What a? What a? What a feather in Eddie Howe's cap! Go on, Craig. Bring some positivity. Just hang on. We're here to. We're here to look forward. They play Fulham at, at the weekend. Where? Where now for Newcastle, Craig? That that that's the point. Where now for Newcastle? What's the mood like? Um, what do they need to do next? Uh, will there be any pressure on Eddie at all if they if they find themselves adrift of the top four places and? Will there be any money for him in January? I know that's about four questions in one, but if you could have a go at that. I'll answer the Eddie and the money in just a second, but I'll go back to the debate you two guys were having. And that is a, a very real debate on Tyneside right now. I see on one side of my scene, I see, I, I see Chris Sutton. That's the romantic version. And I see with you, Lado, I see the pragmatic version. I think the guys upstairs, the suits, would, would be siding with Lado. Because for me, and I've said this since the start of the season, the absolute priority this year, Chris, is for Newcastle to make sure they're a Champions League club next season. How do you do that most realistically is by finishing in the top four rather than winning the Europa League. I think they've got to now concentrate on the league campaign. The reason I say they've got to be part of the Champions League next year is the money is there with Newcastle. They've got the richest owners in the world. The problem they've got is FFP and the ability to spend that money. How do you push back the guardrails of financial fair play rules? You do that by being a Champions League club season on season on season. I've always said we, we, I was speaking at an event in town last night and there was this debate, you know, Newcastle are in the, the quarter-final of the League Cup next week away to Chelsea and they're so close to, to winning the trophy. What would supporters rather? Supporters would rather the trophy. I get that. It's romantic. It's what football is about. Football is about moments. I totally understand that. But if you want to be winning trophies year on year and challenging year on year, you've got to put those, those, those building blocks in and that is by being a Champions League club. So ultimately, on this side of the argument, I come down with Lado and I think they're probably better off out of the Europa League, even if as a reporter, I want to be covering those games and I want the chance to see and cover Newcastle lifting the trophy. To answer the other questions, Lado, those two at the end, will Eddie Howe be under pressure? It shouldn't be. Eddie Howe has got enormous reserves of goodwill in the bank. There's only Eddie the Elf more popular than, than Eddie Howe on Tyneside right now. Uh, the, the kid, my kids up here love him. Everyone loves him. He speaks well. He handles himself well. He's done a tremendous job. There are huge mitigating factors because of the, the injuries. Some are recruitment, which I still think there's still one or two questions about. The Sandro Tonali affair. Eddie's okay. Eddie is excellent. This could be a bit of a bumpy season, though. Will there be money in January? There'll be less money in January on the back of last night. That's why last night was so important. I think one player they might look at is David De Gea. Martin Dubravka has come in. He's had three games now. Hasn't looked great, if we're honest. There's an unemployed Spaniard who's very good sat out there in Madrid. That could be one we could see movement on. But I think they are going to have to do something in January. I think the squad does need uh, reinforcement. Eddie does need help. But to, 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 to come sort of full circle, no. Eddie's OK, and I think they probably are better off now concentrating on the domestic campaign. And, and Chris, the playing um, Fulham on Saturday, who, um, if not the form team in the Premier League, are a team that are running hot all of a sudden. They've just put five past um, West Ham. Um, is that a, that's, It feels a little bit tricky for Newcastle, this game, only because of the, the emotional energy that, that will have been spent last night. Well, yeah, but the, the Newcastle uh, players, they'll, they'll be confident because they don't have Europa League football. They'll, they'll be happy about we're that. Not, we're not here for your, we're not here for your everything, sarcasm. Everything into the game against We're not Fulham. here for your facile sarcasm, Chris. 
Chris, both both things can be true. You know, I think I think whatever situation Newcastle found themselves in, they would have made the best of it if they're in the Europa League. You say, well, okay, you know, you've maintained that positive momentum. You've got European football to look forward to. The the chance of getting back into the Champions League through that competition. Both things can be true, but I think I think also you know to go back to what I said there. You know, I think Lado's pragmatic view is probably the one those upstairs will take. Now, just a touch on Scrooge-like view. It's a Scrooge-like view this 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 time of year. I mean. Eddie Howe's not going to get you in as a motivational coach. Listen, d- listen, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't want it. You, you'd want to be so pragmatic. You wouldn't want to win any trophies. Listen, just, just, be, just, just before we finish, Craig, one question. There was that stat last night, wasn't there? That um, the change that Eddie made to his team last night, I think, was the first change he'd made to his team for five games. Is that is that right? What, where are we with with that? Is there anyone on the horizon who's who might come back? Is that injury list showing any sign of of um, shortening or not? Well, it was funny, at half-time, the substitutes came out to warm-up, and for the first time in what feels like weeks and months, we were actually watching senior players warm-up at half-time as part of the substitutes bench. Dan Byrne was back, Sean Longstaff was there, Alexander Rizak, who, who had dropped down. So, so, yeah, things are clearing up, but at the same time, while things are clearing up, you still suspect they could be picking up more injuries. Both Anthony Gordon and Kieran Trippier were forced off with injuries last night. It's all very well getting players back, it's no good if other players are going out at the same time. To touch on the Fulham game, just quickly on Saturday, I fully expect them to go, as well as Fulham are playing, to go and beat Fulham this weekend. You know, St James's, Newcastle are two different teams right now. Eddie, I don't think Eddie liked this when I said this to him on Tuesday night at the pre-match, pre-match press conference. You've got two different sides. You've got one at home who feed off the crowd, who use the adversity of injuries as a strength, as a collective to come together. And it's almost like players and supporters create an extra man. Away from home, they look like an injured, depleted squad. And while we might say the narrative might be, oh, Newcastle have bounced back if they beat Fulham on Saturday, I'm sorry for me they haven't. They'll bounce back when they show they can win a game away. They've won once away this season, guys. Sheffield United in the, in the league, the 8-0 victory. That's not good enough for a team who've got Champions League aspirations. There's extra pressure on home games now because of that. They go to Luton a week on uh, a week on Saturday. Luton might not be the greatest barometer, but they've got to start beating teams away from home if they want to get back in the Champions League. Okay, thanks for that, Craig. Thanks for joining us, mate. Before we go, Chris, there is one game in the Championship that I have my eye on over the weekend, and that is Monday night at St Andrews, Birmingham against uh, Leicester City, or more intriguingly, Rooney against Vardy, Mark II. Um, the eyes of, I wouldn't say the eyes of the world will be on that, but it'd be interesting to see if the, be interesting to see if the wives turn up. That's my point. Oh, dear, dear me, you're you're a bit mischievous, aren't you? There. Oh come on, you can't you can't get away from that. Can't get away from it. <laughs> Wagatha, Wagatha Christie. I had my uh, I had I had my name for this game, didn't I? I called it Snooper Snooper Sunday, and then they've moved yeah. it to a Monday. So I suppose it's got to be Snooper well, you, Snooper yeah, Monday. Snooper but look, Monday. more more importantly, uh, Leicester flying near the top at the top of the. Uh, Championship. Birmingham struggled under Wayne, but they did win last night. They won away at Cardiff last night, which will which will have given Wayne some breathing space because it's not been easy for him um, at Birmingham so far. So at least he'll go in to Monday's game being able to feel a little bit more positive about what's happening on the field in terms of what might be happening in the stands, but it's anybody's guess. Mm, yeah, hard one to call, isn't it? I'd, I'd sort of fancy Leicester to... Uh... To edge this one, but it's all gonna be. It's all gonna be. Will Will Rooney and Vardy shake? Will they shake hands? Will the girls be there? That's what we'll all be I'm, watching. I'm gonna go round two to the round two to the Rooney's. I think. I think. I think. I think Wayne's on a roll now. One win, he's on a roll. 
Um, all right, mate. Look, good to see you. Um, I'll speak to you again before Christmas and uh, have a good weekend. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 